Praise the Lord, Life Church. Praise the Lord, somebody. Come on, why don't you lift up your voice to the Lord for just a minute. We magnify you, God. We worship you, Jesus. We exalt your holy name, God. Thank you, Jesus. I got to say that we're glad to be in Covina, California. And the wonderful people of Life Church have been so hospitable to us. We love Brother and Sister Brown and their wonderful family. Don't you love your pastor and your pastor's wife and their children? Glad to have my fiance with me. And glad to have each of you. I got to say that from the parking lot to the pew, Life Church has it going. I hope y'all realize what you have. That music, that worship, your technical teams, all of the smiling faces and greeters. I think you owe a hand clap to all of your team that's serving on a weekly basis. What a wonderful job. Now, now I have heard some people say that young people are not capable of digesting the deep things of God. And I don't know how you feel, but I'm a young person and I get sick and tired of the cheap shots taken at millennials all the time because I don't believe we have to dumb anything down. I believe we've got to lift people up and we've got to dive into the word of God. And I feel like there may be some young people in the room that believe this thing and that want to get their head in this book and understand what it's going to do for their life. Does anybody believe that? So we're not going to play around today. We're not going to have frou-frou religion. We're not going to light a candle. But we're going to get into the Word of God. And I believe He has something in store for the people of Life Church. And there is a mighty Azusa Avenue-like revival that I believe is coming to this city. And we're excited for what God has in store. I want to take you in your Bibles. I want to take you on a journey to... A scene before time, Genesis, the first chapter, verse 1. Anybody know where that's at? In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. We open to a picture of inky blackness, of Cosmic barrenness, absolute void, darkness, nothing was created. And then something happens. The scripture says, and the Spirit of God moved. And how many of you know things happen when the Spirit of God moves? And it leaves a luminous trail of light that is superimposed upon all darkness. And we read in verse 3, and God said... Let there be light, and there was light. Just a couple more verses after this, structure begins to form, order begins to ensue, and we are taken beyond this first day through the second on into the third day, and in verse 14, we find ourselves upon that fourth day. I want to take you there. And God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven." To divide the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. You know, coming to California, you forget what day it is with the time change. And let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And read verse 16 with me. And God made two great lights, the greater light 
to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. I want to preach to you today on the topic of the greater light. Sit your Bibles down, sit your cell phone down, and one more time, just stretch your hands out to the Almighty God. He's in this room today, and it's not a coincidence you're here. Lord, I pray for every person gathered under the sound of my voice, each individual that's taken time to be in this atmosphere today. It's not an accident, but your light is going to shine upon them, and you're going to do mighty things in each of our lives. And we give this service to you right now that none would be seen but God alone. In Jesus' name we pray. Somebody say in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated if you promise to stay awake on me this Sunday afternoon. The Bible, the biblical concept of light is a very fundamental yet abstract theme. It is a narrative of God's great luminance. 1 John the first chapter, verse 15, tells us that God is light and that in him is no darkness at all. And while it seem, may seem rather rudimentary, these writers, when speaking of a lesser light, they were speaking of a luminescent satellite that circles earth. And many women love it. I know my um, fiance is here today, and anytime there's a pretty moon, we got to grab the camera. And it's a satellite of Earth. It's a lesser light. Children believe it to be an orbital ball of cheese. And um, I, I know an individual in my life that may or may not be here today that for years of her childhood believed that it was an orbital ball of diamonds. And, and, and that would be an incredible thing. And, and I remember as a kid, there was a, there was a man that we went to church with, and his name was Mick Malberg. And we used to believe that for whatever reason, that Mick was the man that drove the moon. And he'd tell us all about it. He'd tell us how he took the moon, he made it rise at night and made it fall in, in the morning time. And, and somehow he grabbed that thing by the steering wheel and he drove the moon. And, and over time, I learned that Mick was not the one that drove the moon, but that God was the one that drove the moon. And as dusk draws nigh each evening, especially in the beautiful skies of Covina, California, children and adults alike gaze upon that beautiful evening sky and they look upon that lesser light. And this curiosity has led humanity to reach for great astronomical achievements. We've put a flag on the moon just because we can. And we've placed our name upon its barren deserts just because our curiosity got to us and we had to put our flag upon the moon before anybody else could. And, and that's sort of the nature of humanity. But there, there is much more to this thing we call a moon. In fact, there are biblical truths that we find of this lesser light. And how many of you know that nature reveals the glory of God? Looking upon the mountains of 
California, I begin to feel the glory of God. Because you begin to see the places that he took his finger. And he began to etch in the landscape. And he began to speak things into existence. And while speaking things into existence, he spoke into creation this lesser light. And it is a light that has no luminance within itself. It only reflects the sun and it is truly, it is a lesser light. And it glows upon a barren sky. It is plagued with a perpetual dark side. And there's always a side of the moon that no one can see, but God can see it. And, and there are a lot of things that we can learn about the moon. But before that we get into the lesser light, I want to first tell you about a greater light that was created and you'll notice that they were both called great lights but one was known as the greater light and while the moon has no luminance within itself there is a source of all brightness and there is a source of all light and in the darkest of nights upon the night sky is placed a crescent sliver of silver hope that somewhere beyond the darkness that there is still light that is shining upon this earth. And we can liken this into our own lives just a little bit. Because there are moments in the darkest of nights and in the deepest of midnight hours that we are reminded that the presence of God is still there and his light still shines and he still loves us and he still cares about us. And I think I need to remind somebody of that today, that God loves you and he's placed you in this atmosphere today. And while the moon is drawn in by a gravitational pull to the earth, and to this earthen existence. There is a space-bending gravitational pull of a greater light. And we call it the sun, and it grips the planets, and it pulls them into their alignment. It's at the core of all life necessary for photosynthesis. It's at the basis of the food chain, and without it, we, should, we would surely die. And it's at the center of the very existence that we know. And when we look upon this greater light, we don't just see a sphere of plasma or a flaming ball of hydrogen and helium. We see a man named Jesus. And it's in the darkest of hours that there is a great light that shines on us. And without it, we would surely die. And it's at the center of all things. It's at the center of your marriage. It's at the center of your childhood. It's at the center of your life. It's at the center of your Sunday this afternoon. And, and, and without it, nothing else can exist. And without it, that lesser light would have no luminance. And in this great light, we see the glory of the Most High God. And we see the one who dwells in heavenly places. And he reaches way down below into the darkest of places. And his light begins to shine upon us. And John, the first chapter, records that he chose to manifest this light. He chose to manifest himself amongst us. I want to turn your attention to John, the first chapter, verse 1. It says, 
In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. And verse 4 is rather interesting. It says, in him was life. Somebody say there's life. And the life was the light of men. Somebody nudge your neighbor, wake him up, and say he's light. And verse 5 says, and the light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. And he chose, while he is the greater light, not to isolate his luminance within the heavens, but to manifest himself in the darkest of places. And how many of you know that the love of God reaches to low places? And it shines all the way down into our deepest moments of depression. And it reaches all the way down into the worst and most barren of upbringings. And it has a way of shining upon us. And it's shining on you and I this Sunday. And that light of the most high presence of God is shining upon us this afternoon. When we look upon this cosmic parallel, we don't really just see the sun. We see the only begotten sun. We see Jesus. But let me talk to you about this lesser light. Somebody say we're vessels of light. There was a being that was created of great angelic beauty. We don't talk about him very often. And his name was Lucifer, meaning the light bearer. Woven into the etymological substance of his name, we get words pertaining to light. Just as we say Lucifer, we say luminance. And, and we say illuminate and lunar as pertaining to the moon. And he fell, but first he was a lesser light. And he was covered in jewels, as Ezekiel, the 28th chapter, tells us. Nine stones that were embossed upon his body when he was created. And his stones would reflect, and they would reflect the, refract the glory of God. There was no light in him, but the light came from the presence of the Most High God. And as that light would begin to shine upon the nine stones that were placed upon his body, prisms and beautiful luminance would begin to refract out of those stones. And we read a summary of the story in Isaiah the 14th chapter, verse 12. It says, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cast down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into the heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend. And we, we, we hear inside of Lucifer's mind for just a moment. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. He deceived himself because in him was no light at all. And pride began to swallow him up. And he wanted to be like the Most High God. And as beauty would reflect out of the stones placed upon his body, he forgot the source of that very light. And he began to think, man, I look good today. I've got name brand clothes on today. I, my, my 
voice is as pipes. That's what the scripture said about him. You ever heard somebody that can sing and you said he has pipes? His voice was as pipes. And he resonated great beauty. And he forgot that he was the lesser light. And a curse was placed upon him. We read this curse in Ezekiel, the 28th chapter, verse 7. It says, Behold, therefore, I will bring strangers upon thee, the terrible of the nations, and they shall draw their swords against the beauty of thy wisdom, and they shall defile thy brightness. And while he shimmered great beauty, ladies and gentlemen, he was never the light. He was never the source of that great beauty. There was no light in him. But can I tell you today that there is a most high and there is a greater light and you're not going to find it in Lucifer and you're not going to find it in the club down the road and you can't find illumination in the things of the world. But there's a greater light and his name is Jesus and Muhammad can't do it. And Shiva and Buddha and Krishna cannot do it and witchcraft cannot illuminate light but there is a greater light and Joseph Smith can't produce it and Islam can't produce it but Jesus is that greater light let me tell you about him in him was life and the life was the light of men And it shineth in the darkness, and the darkness comprehendeth it not. Some people don't understand why we shout. They don't understand why you give up time on your Sunday afternoon. But can I remind you why you give up your time? Because there's a light that reaches from on high, and it's in this place below, and it's shining upon the darkest of moments in your life. And he is the father of lights, the scripture says. In him is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. He does not change. He does not turn. He is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And he's here right now. The God you've been, you've experienced that moment that you received the Holy Ghost. The same presence of the Most High God is shining upon us today. And all of the sustenance that you need, just like the sun shines upon the earth, all of that sustenance, you can receive it in this place. But without it, you would surely die. I want you to take your finger and I want you to point right at yourself. Reach right inside yourself. I want you to say, there's no light in here. And I want you to stretch that finger right toward heaven. And I want you to say, we can find the source of that light. There's no light in you and I. There is no beauty in you and I. There is no reason. In fact, the the scripture says, when I consider the heavens, a work of your fingertips, who am I that you are mindful of me? And the son of man that you visiteth him. Can I remind somebody that there's nothing in here for God to desire. And we present God with with here I am. And, And it seems like that's popular amongst our culture. Here I am. Come on, what are you gonna give me, God? 
When you're going to bless me, God? When you're going to do something for me, God? Well, it's good music and a good experience and smiling faces. And we come to church with our hands out ready to receive. What can you do for me? The greeting team wasn't quite on it. And pastor, we, we thank you. you. I need something. Give, make me feel good. Make me happy. Make me. It was the music the kind of music I like? What, what, was the atmosphere the atmosphere that I like? And we're not supposed to present God with, here I am. We're supposed to come to God with, who am I? That you are mindful of me. And when we walk into the presence of God with our hands up, saying, who am I? That same glory of God that is set in the heavens reaches way down below. And he begins to bless. And he begins to shine upon our lives. The scripture says that from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, blessed be the name. It says, it says to the going down of the same, the Lord's name is to be praised. And so when the sun rises, you praise him. And when you've got traffic trying to go through L.A., you still praise him. And when you're fighting with your spouse on the way to church, Help us. You still praise him. And when it doesn't feel good, you praise him. And when you're sick, you praise him. And when the music doesn't get it the way you like it, you praise him. And when things are going wrong in your life, you praise him. And you let the light so shine deep down into your life. That light is not supposed to be isolated to Sunday services. You know, we treat it like that sometimes, Brother Brown. It's like we walk in, we find the seat that we sit in, we pick up a flashlight, we turn it on, we turn it off, we leave church, and we go back to living in darkness. And that's not the plan that God has for your life. In fact, here's what the psalmist said. He said, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And you don't always understand the destination. And you don't always understand the twists and the turns that the path may send your way. But can I tell you that if you'd allow the word to be a lamp under your feet and a light unto your path, when, expecting, when unexpected things come your way, he's a lamp under your feet, he's a light unto your path. When you don't feel like it, he's a lamp unto your feet and he's a light unto your path. And when things aren't going right, he's a lamp under your feet and he's a light unto your path and you may not understand it all you may not know all the inroads of what we believe you may you you may not have a degree at know it all in a university but can i tell you today that you gotta allow the word of god to be your lamp and to be your light you know how a lamp works you ever gone through your house at night without a light you start running into things. You think you're in the bathroom and you're in the living room and, 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 and bad things happen when you don't turn on the light. Hopefully that's never happened to anybody in this place. It's never happened to me. But, but light does something very interesting. It begins to illuminate the path. And, and when we turn on the light, we don't always know where God's gonna take us in our lives. In fact, I wish I could tell you that everything is gonna go right in your life. I wish I could tell you that nothing bad ever happens, that checks don't ever bounce, 
that the bank account doesn't ever get low. And sometimes we get in this conference mentality that we shout about how good God is and we forget about the reality of what we have to go home to. And the scripture never promised us that we'd never have to bear anything. And it never told us that we were going to be wealthy and drive Rolls Royces. Of course, unless you live in Los Angeles, everybody drives Rolls Royces. But, but, but he never promised that to us. But, but, but when life begins to send those curves and, and send those twists and turns, there's something about the light. And it begins to illuminate things. And it begins to expose things. And it begins to expose things in us that shouldn't be there. And it begins to expose false doctrine that should not be there. And it begins to expose bad attitudes that should not be be there and it begins to expose things deep down in the crevices of our mind that should not be there I'm going to tell on myself it's a good thing we flew to Los Angeles because my fiance knows I'm not the greatest driver and I don't know how people drive around here but I'm going to admit it that's the first time I've gone on record and said that I'm not the greatest driver and here lately I had some lights go out in my vehicle. And I don't know if any of you are procrastinators, but you always think you're going to get to it, and you get on Amazon, and you get it ready to order, and you forget your wallet in the car, and, and, and you keep saying you're going to order the lamps for your car. And I did not do it, and just here a couple of months ago, I was driving down the very steep driveway of my fiance's home with very little light to be able to see very, very distracted. I um, was talking to the Lord, and that's not trying to sound spiritual. I wasn't paying attention to the road. You, you don't pray with your eyes closed when you're driving. And, and, and it was too dark for me to see. And I come down the driveway, and I come around the curve, and all of a sudden I hear a noise, and I end up in the ditch. And it's okay. The car's fine. Everything's fine. But, but here's something that I learned is that when the light's not shining, you'll find yourself in places that you never expected to be. And when the light's not shining, you'll find yourself stuck in ditches that you never thought you'd get into. And when the light is not shining, you'll find yourself with addictions that you said you'd never have. And when the light's not, somebody's got to turn on the light. Somebody's got to let the light of God begin to shine into your life. book of Samuel said, for thou art my lamp, O Lord, and, and the Lord will lighten my darkness. Notice, my darkness. The darkness doesn't come from him. The darkness is us. And sometimes our greatest enemy is inner me until we begin to allow the light to shine down deep into our inward parts and begin to cleanse us and purify us and make us new couldn't help but think yesterday, Brother Brown, we were driving down every road that a song's ever been sung about. We are turning down roads, and there's songs I didn't even know that were popping in my head as I saw the street signs. We, we, we were driving near Hollywood and Bel Air, and, and, and we drove by some fresh prince's house and, and all of these figures, and we're looking at regular people thinking everybody's a celebrity and 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 taking pictures of tourists with cameras around their neck because we thought we saw them in a movie and 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 we were driving down the streets late this is my first time i'm a tourist 
and, and we're driving down the streets. And I couldn't help but think that it seems like that the way people present themselves in those areas is that everybody wants to be a star. And, and everybody wants to be known. And everybody puts a mask on and they create an image for themselves and, and they're going to build a brand around it. And they're going to have the most expensive clothes and the coolest things and the nicest car. And, and it, it's, it's, it's something about self-image that begins to grip people. And that desire to be a star, you see that word is not a random word, but it is a, it is a luciferic desire. It's a desire to say, I want to be like the Most High. It's a desire to say, I want to see my name in lights. It's a desire to say, I want to be known. But you weren't made to make a name for yourself. You were made to make known His great name. And the light's not in here, honey. The light's up there. And in here is darkness. But when I open myself up, the light can shine into my life. The scripture says in Acts 4.12, neither is there salvation in any other, for there's none other name, there, there, there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. There's only one light, and Hollywood can't do it, and name brand clothes can't do it, and your name can't do it, and your followers on your Instagram account can't do it. You'll find yourself living in darkness. Does it seem like we can go too many weeks without something being exposed with an individual that attained great fame? Hidden things. Because there's dark sides of moons. And there's some things that only God sees. And, 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 and it gravitates toward earthen things but can I ask somebody in this place do you want to be grounded here or do you want to be grounded there because there's a day coming that earth's going to pass away your followers aren't going to matter your following isn't going to matter your clothes and your car is not going to matter but there is a greater light and he wants to shine in your life he wants to fill you with his spirit he wants you to be baptized in the name of Jesus he wants you to repent of your sins he wants you to begin to allow the light to illuminate your life. There's no other name that can heal you. There is no other name that can save you. There's only one light and everything else is vanity. Everything else is darkness. The scripture says vanity, vanity, all is vanity. And I find it interesting, the same scripture tells us that everything under the sun is vanity. But the writer there, I find that, that terminology interesting because he was looking under the sun. He wasn't looking at the sun. And, and everything under the sun is vanity. This life is full of vanity. And if we're not careful, we can get our life full of pride and full of image and full of selfish agendas and trying to build our own kingdom rather than building the kingdom of God. But he was looking under the sun. Let me get somebody's eyes set on the sun in this place. In him is all light in life and he wants to do something in your family and he wants to do something in your mind and he wants to reach into your heart into the darkest of places and fill you with his spirit Hollywood can't pull you out of darkness 
and pop culture cannot illuminate your life. And fame and fortune and money and wisdom and women and, and, and wealth and work and all of these things are never going to bring light to your life. They're never going to bring you joy. And, and you ought to not seek for it in the wrong places. You're not going to find it in a hypodermic needle. You're not going to find it at the latest greatest club. You're not going to find it at a house party. You're not going to find light in a bottle and you're not going to find life in this world but you can find it in Jesus. Lucifer got it all wrong. He was never that light. And when the moon gets itself in the spotlight and it eclipses the sun, the one in whom it's really all about, it causes darkness to come upon the earth. That's exactly what he did. He got himself in the spotlight. He began to want to be seen. It wasn't enough to reflect the glory of God. He believed that the glory was in him. And darkness was cast onto the earth. And it swept the earth. And sin was introduced. And Lucifer was cast down. And the scripture says that his brightness has been defiled. And his stones no longer reflect the glory of God. I find it interesting that when God created Lucifer in the foreknowledge of God, knowing that Lucifer would eventually fall, he only embossed nine stones upon his body, Brother Brown. And it was a type and a shadow. It was a pattern of the same stones that were embossed upon the breastplate of the high priest. But the high priest had 12, and he only chose to put nine on Lucifer. And when I read this, I was intrigued. I don't get into numerology and weird stuff. I just love Jesus, love God. Let's have a good service. But, but, but I started to have, I had to know. I had to know. And I began to research and read what scholars would say about the reasoning for the missing three, the missing row of stones. And they've debated this reason for many, many years. And the most common conclusion draws us to a verse in Genesis, the 49th chapter. And there are promises that were placed upon the 12 children of Israel. And, and this is the reason that the high priest had 12 stones upon his linen ephod, upon his breastplate. And, and, and when the Lord begins to speak things of what would come in the end, there were three Prophecies spoken over three particular groups of the children of Israel. And, and these prophecies said this. He said, when the last days would come, this is Jacob calling unto his sons. He said, when the last days come, he said, he begins to speak over Issachar. And he says, you're going to be a strong donkey. And you're going to be crouching in between two burdens. And he speaks over Gad. And he says, a troop's going to overcome you, but you, Gad, are going to overcome in the end. And he speaks a prophecy over Asher, and he tells him that you're going to yield royal dainties. In other words, he was saying, Asher, you're going to produce beautiful fruit, and you're going to produce a royal seed. You're going to produce royal 
Dantes. And in these three prophecies, in the foreknowledge of God, when he created Lucifer, he left out what many scholars believe were these three stones. And in doing so, he was making a statement that Lucifer is never going to be strong enough to bear burdens. He's never going to be procreative. He's never going to have royal offspring. And he will not and shall not and cannot overcome in the end. He was full of beauty, but he's not going to overcome. He was full of rubies, but he's not going to produce any fruit. He was full of beautiful things that would reflect the glory of God, but he can't carry your burdens. And Hollywood can't carry your burdens. And a new pill can't carry your burdens. And all of the things of the world have added up together. Cannot carry your burdens. But there is a greater light. And he rises in the east. And he sets in the west. And he bears burdens. And he produces a royal generation. A peculiar people. And we will overcome in the end by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And by Him we're given a promise in 1 Peter 2.9. But ye are a, cho- a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a, and holy nation, a peculiar people. That ye should show forth the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. 1 Thessalonians 5.5 says we are all the children of the light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. I need to remind somebody you're not of the darkness. You're not of the world. You're just in it and you're passing through it. You're you're, you're not of the things of this world. You're not a child of darkness. You're a child of God. We're the people of God and we're in the house of the Lord. We're spiritual Jews. That's what the scripture teaches us. We've been given all of the promises of God. And when you take the word Jew, and when you take the Aramaic word for God, El, you get Jewel. And when the people of God are connected to their God, you don't just get regular people, you get jewels. You get people that are set forth to reflect the glory of God. You, you get people that can resonate the glory of God in the darkest of places. And this is why the book of Matthew told us in the fifth chapter, verses 14, through 16, ye are the light of the world, a city that is set on a hill and cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel. We, we learned it as a kid. I'm going to let it shine. You, you just learned that my fiance is the musical one and I can't sing. Not going to hide it under a bushel. I'm going to let it shine. Not going to hide it from my Instagram. I'm going to let it shine. Not gonna hide it from my boyfriend, I'm gonna let it shine. Not gonna hide it from my following, I'm gonna let it shine. Not gonna hide it from my friends, I'm gonna let it shine. Not gonna hide it from the cool kids, I'm gonna let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Not gonna hide it in my school. 
I'm gonna let it shine not gonna hide it at my college I'm gonna let it shine not gonna hide when are apostolics gonna realize we don't gotta hide it in the world is darkness but there's a light that is shining on you and I I'm gonna let it shine and no matter what everybody says I'm gonna let it shine and I may lose some friends but I'm gonna let it shine they weren't worth keeping around and I'm gonna let it shine I think I just wrote a song I think some apostolics should begin to let the light of God shine in the darkest places of your life Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Some of y'all are single parents. Some of you don't have a, you have a spouse that's not living for the Lord. Some of you may have children that aren't living for God. But when you let the candle shine, it fills the house with light. Can I speak something over somebody? If you just let it shine, your lost loved ones are going to see it shining. If you just let it shine, your lost spouse is going to, there's something different about you. Well, you look awfully happy. What reason do you have to be happy? Because I'm going to let it shine. When I'm in L.A. traffic, I'm going to let it shine. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light. You have a light. Let your light so shine. That's talking about you. Let your light so shine before men, before girlfriends, before your school, before your college campus, before all men, all women. We got to let it shine. And it doesn't stop there. It says that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. It didn't say so they can glorify you. It didn't say so you can gain a following. It didn't say so you can work your way up the structure of a church or an organization. That's not what it said, but it said you got to let it shine to bring Him glory. There's nothing in me that's good. There's none good but God alone. Everything under the sun is darkness, but there is a greater light. And when He said let your light so shine, God has placed jewels, different mirrors, angles, shapes, sizes, cultures, education backgrounds, abilities, and he's placed them up on you. And there's different shapes, and there's different sizes, and there's different testimonies, and there's different upbringings, but it's all for one purpose. You ever change the headlight? You ever gone and had somebody change a headlight? I tried to change my headlight. There's a reason I still haven't fixed it. When you look at a headlight, the the source is a very concentrated source, and and it's a powerful thing. But when it shines, it shines through different angles of mirrors. 
And when it shines upon those mirrors, it, see, it sends beams in all sorts of directions. And I want to tell you, child of God, that you've been created for a purpose. And, and God has put an angle on your life that when the glory of the light of God shines upon you, for some of you it's going to shine on the college campuses. And for some of you it's going to shine in the corporate settings. And, and for some of you it's going to shine in your suburb and in your community and in your neighborhood and around your block. And some of you are gifted that it can shine in your singing. And some of you can shine from a piano and give the glory to God. And some of you can shine and send the light of God right into Bible studies and right into ghettos and right into rough areas and right into places that nobody else wants to go. He's put you where you are for a reason. And you're not always going to see eye to eye with the person sitting next to you because you have a different angle. But there's a reason that God gave you a different angle. Because there's places your light can shine that my light is not, is not productive at shining. There's areas and people that God has placed in your life. The scripture says go into all the world and preach the gospel. And I suggest to you that the way to go all, into all the world is to start in your world. Your school, your job, your coworkers, your boss, your teachers, your friends. Some of y'all are back in school and you've been trying to pretend like you're not apostolic. You gotta make it up in your mind. You're gonna let it shine. It won't be much longer. But God has called you to live the perfect hallelujah. Sounds kind of funny, doesn't it? We sing it. We laugh about it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And, and we sing it, and so many times, we don't even know what it means. We don't even know what it's all about. And, and it's a very interesting word because the first, the first word that we get is halal. It's, it's the same root where we get the word halogen and halo and hallucinate. It's pertaining to light. And Yah is the root word of the name of God, Yahweh. And so when we sing hallelujah, it's not the word that's the highest praise. It's the action that's the highest praise. When we let our light so shine for the glory of God, it's not something you praise when you sing it. It's something you praise when you live it. God wants you to shine in your school. God wants you to shine around the people in your life. And it is the perfect praise. And you can't separate the shining from the source. You may be able to sing beautifully, but you can't separate it from the source. You may be able to play an instrument beautifully, but you can't separate it from Yah. You can't separate it from God. God may have given you abilities, but without the, without the God you serve... It's nothing more than aimless shining. And the light is not in you, but the light is in Jesus. The scripture says, awake thou that sleepest and arise from the dead. And Christ shall give you light. I wonder if I can wake somebody up in this room and say, you don't have to go home how you were. You don't have to leave here as you were. But you can awake from the slumber that you've been experiencing in your life. And you can allow the light of God to begin to shine deep down into your spirit. Lift your hands all over this room. I want you to call on the name of the Lord.
Lord, in the name of Jesus, there is an angle that you've given each of these people. There are abilities and giftings and talents, but it's not for our glory, God. It's for your glory. And there's those in this place that are living in lives of formlessness and void and darkness. But God, we know that when your spirit moves, that light is birthed forth. I speak right now into darkness, God, that your light would begin to shine, that you'd pull somebody up out of depression, that you'd pull somebody up out of insecurity, that you'd pull somebody out of fear today. There's a scripture that tells us of a place called heaven. And it says, there shall be no night there. And we need no candle. And a candle is a very manufactured thing. But when you get there, you're not going to need another AA meeting. And you're not going to need another pull, uh, another pill to get the pain out of your body. You're not going to need the things that men and women have to offer. But there's a light there. And he shines amongst the heavens. And he shines down to the earth. And you'll need nothing else but the light of God. You can't find it in a promiscuous lifestyle. You can't find it by getting popular at your school. You can't find it by climbing the corporate ladder. But God has destined for you to be here today. And I mean that. God has placed you here today for a reason. And it's because he's trying to shine into your darkness. Somebody needs to rip the blinds off of your life. The things that distort your vision. The things that block the light from shining into your darkness. And begin to allow the presence of the almighty God to shine into your life. And it's at the mention of that name that darkness has to flee. I'm sick and tired of hearing people say, I rebuke darkness. None of y'all got up this morning, walked in your room, your living room, and said, darkness, now you get out of here. It's not what you do. But you walked into that room, and you opened up the blinds, and you turned on the light. It's not a special prayer you're going to pray today. It's turning on the light. It's allowing the light of God to begin to shine into your life. And he's going to change your life forever. In him is no shadow. In him is no variable. In him is no darkness. And if you'd rip every obscurity out of your life and allow that light to shine, he wants to bring the light of the love of God into the darkest places of your being. I want you to stand with me all across the room. I don't want you to focus on another individual. It is you and God. In the presence of the Almighty God, the only one and true God of creation is in this room. And the scripture says, once we saw dimly, but now face to face. I want you to close your eyes and lift your hands as a sign of surrender to God and see Him face to face. He's trying to do something in your heart today. He's trying to see you face to face. He's trying to shine into your darkness. It's nobody else around you. It's you and God. I want you to open up your mouth and out loud begin to talk to Him. He hears you. The King hears you. You're in the presence of an almighty God and He hears you. Come on, lift up your voice. Lift up your voice. God, I love you. God, I need you in my life. God, I need you to shine into my deepest, darkest hour. I want to make two 
invitations this morning. I want to invite, first of all, those of you that have never experienced the light of God. Or maybe there's some that feel like you've been living in depression, in anxiety, in insecurity, in fear, in darkness. I want to invite you to come. Come with me. Come and experience the light. And the rest of you that are in this room, maybe you're a student. Maybe you're going to college this semester. Maybe you're going to a high school. Maybe you're not a young person, but you're going to go back to your job this week. And you want to let the light of God begin to resonate out of your life. I want you to come right now to the front of this room. Come with me. Come on, take somebody by the hand and invite them to come with you. I want you to come and step into the light. I want you to come and allow the light to begin to shine into your life. Come on, you don't have to walk in darkness. You can come as you are, but you can't leave as you were. I want you to come, and I want you to lift your hands and allow the light of God to begin to shine into your life. Lift up your voice and begin to talk to Him right now. God, we love you. Let your light shine into my darkness. Let your light shine in the deepest places of who I am. Would you come this morning? Would you surrender your life to God? Would you lift up your hands, maybe where you are, and begin to talk to Him today? rise and fall it tears down every wall around me when you speak you breathe upon the dust you come alive in us when you speak you silence every fear Breathe upon the dust 
Down to the